welcome to the Everything Theatre podcast, brought to you by Everything Theatre, a theatre review and interview website covering more than just London Fringe Theatre. Each week we'll bring you interviews with some of the best that Fringe Theatre has to offer. We'll talk to theatre makers about new shows, hear about the art of making the plays, talk about some of the wonderful venues you may never have heard of before. In short, we will chat Everything Theatre and what makes it tick. So let's dive straight in and hear what today's episode has to offer. This week we've got Helena Collins O'Connor. Um, Helena comes from We Are Bostress, who are a new theatre company, and her show is Auto in Grain, coming to King's Head Theatre, 15th to 19th of November. Helena, love to meet you. Do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Hi, Rob. How are you doing? Yep. So my name is Helena Collins O'Connor. Um, I am a character, theatre actress, uh, producer of We Are Bostress, and I've worked in the industry for quite a while. Um, I also do workshop facilitation. So I love to work with different groups and kind of devise and um, find new ways to create theatre from scratch and write your own works. I think it's entirely important in the industry. Um, we are Bostress is, is did I say 2021? So it's, it's quite a new company, isn't it? It is, yes. So founded in May 2021. The sole reason of the theatre company becoming what it is, is because of the show, Auto Engrain. Okay. itself so the show kind of developed and then from there we decided uh, myself and like the team I had at the time this is really important to actually push further and then having that platform to create more diverse work and tackle those difficult subject matters that sometimes people feel that they can't do so watching it gives that experience through the arts so it seems to be the way I think most people I speak to, they tend, they tend to find the company comes out, they get the play first, they think, oh, we better set up a little company to, to, to produce this. <laughs> so it seems to be quite common in Fringe Theatre, doesn't it? Right, so let's yes. talk about Auto in Grain. What can right. you tell us about the show then? Um, so Auto in Grain is a one-person uh, woman show, um, first written in 2019. And it's, it's one of those shows where it's always going to be a work in progress. We're on draft number nine now. A development which is fantastic um and effectively it's a 65 minute show no interval and we see kate who is a botanist who's coming back into her third stint of therapy so the audience the fly on the wall to watching that happen and in it she is very unapologetic and she just thinks do you know what i really need just to talk and she talks about everything from speed dating to uh, masturbation to toxic relationships, red flags, police incompetence. Um, because at the time, sadly, um, the whole situation with Sarah Everett was happening. So I felt like it was quite important to include parts of that as well and like opinions and feelings at the time because it was quite difficult. Um, and she sort of, Kate as a character, she analyses things as she goes through a scientific brain from being. Um, a botanist and studying like molecular activity in plants so she uses those to help sort of understand what she's been through overall in terms of her toxicity mm. and the show, so the show's been so three years now the show's sort of been in sort of development I suppose up to this point did it play at Candle Fringe last year <clears throat> so it was um Clapham Fringe Clapham um, Fringe the, sorry yep <laughs> no that's absolutely fine they're both of them simultaneously um Yes, yeah, so we developed it. We got a slot. 
and luckily we were one of the only shows to get extended at Clapham Fringe for further shows. Had a great response, really, um, quite overwhelming in the best way possible. And then from there, we moved on to the Pleasance Theatre in Islington, where we um, hosted the Q&A with the show. So it gave audiences um, a platform and an opportunity to ask those questions that maybe they wanted to discuss afterwards, like things that really gripped them or kind of to get that conversation going, which I think is quite relevant. Does that help? When you, I mean, I, I, and I see a lot of Q and A's when you sort of go. There's, it's quite, it's quite a common thing, isn't it, in fringe theatre, which is fantastic. Yeah. Um, does that help you as the writer to sort of gauge the or to develop the ideas further when you speak to the audience that way? Does getting that instant feedback make you think, oh, I hadn't thought of that, or or that that might change? Yeah, does that yeah. does that is that good for you, Q and A's? Completely, I think. As an artist, you're ever-changing in the way you approach subject matter. Like, if you looked at the style of work I was doing 10 years ago to now, it's, it's very different and varied. And Auto and Grain, actually, was um, first put on um, at a scratch night for 10 minutes. And we had anonymous feedback from the audience members on what they would like. And they kept saying, we really want to find out more about this character. We want to find out who she is, how she was, how she's become who she is. And even with the Q&A, there were questions about... Obviously, I go a lot into um, abusive relationships and gaslighting and coercive behaviour. And with it being self, like semi-autobiographical, um, lots of the audience members wanted to know how much was real and how much was fiction. And do you feel like Kate needs to explain more? Do you feel like she explains too much? And it's, I think the thing is with Q&A, they're so varied, you can get anything. But as a writer and someone that's like putting themselves out there, and with the team and stuff, it just, it is very helpful in our creative process because then we can go back and say, actually, we need to add this, we need to take this out. Like, maybe that doesn't read as well. Maybe we need to add more humour with the trauma to make it more refreshing and light. But no, I, I found it thoroughly enjoyable, actually, and I think the audience enjoyed it as well, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, no, Q&As are really interesting. I, I find, for sort of, especially when they're quite heavy dramas, Mm-hmm. I found Q and A to be really good because it's it's fantastic to get other people's viewpoints as well because I think with a lot of stuff you can watch play and you could have ten different opinions you know but let's face you could have ten people there and everyone would have a different opinion on what it was saying what it meant so I do find those Q and A's sometimes really interesting to be part of to hear other people's input and faults mm-hmm. and um, yeah I, I I love them I love if I see a Q and A night I'm going I'm overjoyed I tell you. So your main character, Kate, she's a botanist. So is that is that something you have an interest in? Have you got a history in botany or is it just you like the idea of it? Yes and no. So as a child, um, I come from quite um, an Irish background and but very much from the country. And um, growing up, like my dad very much influenced us by taking us to allotments and teaching us about the growth of plants and I had an infatuation with sunflowers as a kid. I was obsessed with like how big they could get. And it was just really quite beautiful to be able to create something from something so small as a seed or like a previous plant and soil and whatnot. Um, But the way that the botany kind of came into play was as I was writing Auto Ingrain, it's the idea about how an idea can be ingrained into your head from someone else, like the, um, you know, abuser. And they make you get to the point where you believe everything is true. And with that, it's like a seed. 
is the way I explain it. So in the plays actually written into chapters and it talks about from the seed to the growth, to the roots, um, to harvest. And in your head, if you can imagine it like a root format in soil, that is how these ideas fluctuate. And then for now, I thought actually it would be quite interesting to really push that. So making Kate quite scientific and analytical, which is a bit more of a contrast to me, it not only gave her more of a personality and changed the way that she directs how she answers or understands, but also it created a bit of a safety net from that semi-autobiographical view because I think it's really important when you're dealing with a um, difficult subject matter, which you're very close to as an artist, you need to create that barrier okay, or have yeah. that sense of being able to take yourself out of the situation and not have that trauma affect you on a serious level. But generally she's, she loves using plant analogy to try explain how she's feeling and what she understands what's happened to her, which I think is quite different and refreshing in theatre. I haven't seen that for quite a while. So it's amazing, yeah. It's and again, I come across so much where it's sort of the uniqueness. You think at some point we're going to run out of ideas, but I don't think we ever will. Um, <laughs> it's, did you have to do much research into the botany side of things to get all the sort of terminology in that? I spent so much time <laughs> at Kew Gardens; it was ridiculous. Um, yeah, I did a lot of reading on types of diseases in plants, like the Latin names for them. Like, for example, with um, <clears throat> pardon me, like with sunflowers. Um, I was actually saying to someone earlier, like they're called um, Helianthus anus, like in terms of Latin and with them being heliotropic, they follow the sun. And there was more like in-depth information on like Venus fly traps I had to look at and cancer in plants. So there's, there's so much you can kind of use to create connections with psychologically, like how you process things. And then using that, there were so many variables, which are really quite nice to play with. And it just expands the dialogue, which I think is quite an interesting thing. And it gives the audience also an education platform to learn and take away other things from it. We, one of our um, one of our team um, works for Gardeners World, I think it is. She does the mm-hmm. works on the online yeah. publication. So I really I should point her in the way of this then, see if she can uh, she'll come she can come along and critique if you've got all your um, flower based names right. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> Do you? Um, I mean. Are you using the Latin names now? Is, it, is there a lot of sort of terminology within the script? Yes and no. It's it's more from Kate's perspective. So she talks, she's very like contemporary and she analyses it as she goes. And she does talk about from a first account point of view, because I think she understands what happened, but it's not until she goes into this third sting. Because there's a line that I say about, you don't like, I've been in a room like this, but you don't always fully speak. And I think that's quite, imperative to a lot of therapy sessions sometimes you feel like you can't fully express what really happened or how you feel because it might be a bit too daunting or it might hit trigger stuff whereas in this she kind of delves into the botany and there's a new scene actually where you get a full-on voiceover of this just beautiful um, language in molecular activity and organisms and things and it's sort of like the audience is learning and kind of seeing a bit of an inside point into Kate's mind. I'm, I'm just fascinated by it because I'm I'm fascinated how you remember the script at the best of times when I watch people do these um, plays. Oh, I don't. I can't even answer that. It's very... <laughs> it, I know it, it's trial and error. I, I sort of just constant, isn't it? But right, let's delve into these themes then because obviously this yes. is a play which has some heavy, um, some serious themes. 
toxicity, red flags. So there's a there's a heavy sort of leaning onto a toxic form of relationship, I assume here, yeah. Correct. And is is this something? I mean, it's it's a topic that, and yeah, it's a, you know something that we see a lot in the news. It's something that is constantly being talked about. But do you think it's been? Do you think it's still a topic where we're not? addressing the problems we're not addressing you know do you think do you think it still needs to be sort of looked at differently or discussed differently um I feel like the world is definitely getting better and the way that the law is changing now and in terms of like police kind of assistance with that it is definitely changing for the better I feel like though like every kind of subject whether it's um racism or you know homophobia hate crimes and all that stuff you've got to constantly keep going you can't just do one thing and then let it go to bed because it's never gonna fully be resolved there's always gonna be something else coming up and with um domestic abuse um gaslighting coercive behavior and all those kind of levels if you don't keep addressing them people aren't gonna really know i guess there's a sense of naivety especially like you might one thing that I want to take away from this show is I want people to kind of start to understand and see the signs. And obviously if they've got friends and stuff, then they can assist them. It's, it's just eventually keeping that conversation going because it never stops at all, you know. And even though it might stop for you as a person, it might be happening to your friend and you've got no idea or whatnot. But having, I think using theatre as that platform is really special because it gives you a chance to visually not only tell a story but to get people's minds thinking and saying oh actually maybe or if they're going through something similar actually that's not right and it can create change for the better um, I hope that's answered but so it's something I've discussed with a lot of people in mm-hmm. it's it's what how far theatre has the power to to make change isn't it I think you know is how how much does does you know shows like yours help address it and what yeah you know, what is the final sort of purpose of these shows and I mean is, is it a case of you know if you change what if you make one person think about it differently the show's been a success yeah for sure I think one thing I always said which might be a bit of a controversial thing is I don't care if you don't like my play it's not about that for me it's or if you love it that's fantastic but it's the point if I want you to come away with an opinion and a thought process and to kind of think oh actually I want to talk about this that struck me maybe it's a smaller thing but it's just kind of just creating a small little incentive like a spark and one one person actually I won't name them but when the last run last year they came up to me afterwards and said I can't tell you what I thought about the show yet I have to go home and process what I've watched which I thought was quite a powerful thing to say because it really struck them and then when they actually contact me a few days later they said I've been through something similar I didn't realize it was what it was until I watched what happened mm. in the show um and that was really quite um quite moving yeah. that you can create that even a small change it's amazing how you can be struck in different ways by theater and as you say it's it's and I think you've said it there. It's about the spark, isn't it? It's about igniting that that initial spark in something mm-hmm. to get people thinking. Um, yeah. 
and coercive behaviors face it coercive behavior the word coercive says it already doesn't it it's not yeah. obvious you know it, no. it it's a, it's a slow drip isn't it you know it's about this it's about this controlling be sort of slow drip feed to make mm-hmm. and let's face it 99.9% of the time it is like you know men on women making women feel inferior feel useless um, isn't about, it it's about um 79% men and 23% women is it that I, that's I'm amazed it's that much difference of, yeah. and there's a lot of um that also goes into same-sex relationships mm, um, course, yeah. transgender and heterosexual like there's like humans generally obviously things stem from trauma or previous issues um which have not been addressed and it's just the way things are done and also a lot of the time what you don't realize it's based on reported crime levels and domestic violence as a whole is like recorded crimes are about five percent of crimes actually do get recorded so it makes you think how much else is really going on that people don't want to address or they take forward and then they actually say do you know what i don't think i want to take this further anymore it's a bit too close to home um so it really makes you think um how much is going on there really in hindsight it is scary. And I think we probably all know someone who's experiencing it, and it's how yeah. how you how you deal with it, isn't it? How you what, you know because it's that thing, isn't it? You don't want to interfere in someone else's life, but at the same time, at what point do you have to say something? Or mm-hmm. it's, it, I think we've all been there, and it's all it's never easy, and it it it's yeah, it, it's a it's a minefield, isn't it? Let's be honest, it's an absolute minefield. Yeah, it is. Um, and- with the rose sorry just cut your phone but the rose tinted glass effect you as a human being that's gone through that you don't realize it's happening until you're out of it really sometimes and even and I think this is something to say like if you do have friends that are going through something you think they're going through similar or a sense of trauma or an abusive relationship to a degree you just have to keep trying like don't just give up because they won't see what you know you see until they do come out of it or the light bulb goes off and that's that's the hardest thing i think for friends and family and people that you care about to watch but if if you're a strong person and you can get out of any other side i think people out there are incredibly brave for being able to do that right um (laughs) and it it is it's a topic topic i think we need to discuss and i think it's where fringe theater is fantastic fringe i say and even though you know we're not playing these shows in front of thousands and thousands of people. It's a drip. Right. Again, it goes back to the drip feed, isn't it? You'll play this in front of 50, 60 people one night, and maybe one of those two people will take it away and talk about it. And it could, you know, and it, it's, it's that drip effect, isn't it? You hope it expands yeah. out from there. You've also talked about this mental masturbation, obviously with this show, but with this yes. going out on the radio show on a Saturday afternoon, as well as Friday Wednesday evening, let's just be a bit careful with our language, but um, yeah. <laughs> But, but <laughs> oh, it's all right. It's it's. I I saw a show a few weeks ago which was very much about um female empowerment, and there was a couple of sex scenes that, or a couple of wasn't sex scenes as such, but there's lots of sort talk about female masturbation. Yes, and it was so it was quite weird to watch. It was quite refreshing to watch that it was almost taking you know empower you know these females were sort of saying you know we do it as well as you men, and it was really fascinating. Is that is this sort of um sort of an angle you're coming from? Is it about sort of um the female sort of empowerment again of sort of saying you know re 
taking back your control over the sex? So I take it from a slightly different approach. So one thing about the show is obviously with the audience, they are a fly on the wall. They are literally watching a therapy session as it happens. So that conversation in Kate's mind is literally happening between her therapist and her. And she does talk about, obviously, one thing that I think is quite credible is, like you said, self-empowerment and discovery. And I think when you come out of like relationships in any angle, whether they're good or they're bad, there is a sense of trying to refine your pleasure and trying to take ownership and gravitas of that. And part of that is through like sexual exploration, um, no matter how you see it. And she talks about like, my friends wouldn't have survived this without masturbation, you know, because that's something that they do. Does Kate do it? We don't know. But um, she talks about the situation, how like there was, you know, like people can just, people should feel more open. Sadly, it is a bit more taboo. I feel like it's quite a private thing for a lot of people or they don't know if they really should talk about it because maybe they might get judged. Mm. And I, I think it's really important to be open and just, you know, you, you have to do whatever you do as a person, but don't feel embarrassed by, you know, wanting to explore and discover what you like and whatnot. I think I think it's quite key to self, like self-love. And then obviously then you can put yourself out there into the world. And it's fun. Yeah, it's it's fascinating. Um, One of our team, Mariana, is Italian, and she's got such a different attitude on even, you know, we are very prudish in this country, let's be honest, most of us are. And we we had this conversation over um, in August, actually. She was up in Edinburgh, and we had this conversation about uh, nudity on stage. Mm-hmm. And she was like all for it. She said, I don't see any problem with it. You know, the more nudity, the better. And because she, and it was almost this sort of Italian attitude, you know, she's like, yeah. was, um, you know, because I, I worry about sort of the, um, I, my, my first thought was about people being forced into doing nudity scenes. And she was like, yeah. it's absolutely fine as long as everyone's happy. <laughs> and, um, I think that's the key. As long as like there's, I mean, theatre and the film industry has changed so like dramatically because now obviously we've got the introduction to intimacy coordinators and that there is more of um, an acceptance to nudity if it is obviously like important to the narrative of the characters but at the same time there is more of an acceptance and because it's safer as an environment I feel like a lot more performers are feeling more willing and also it's it's nice it's, it's quite good to take a risk and there is a free sense of just being yourself and not having to worry about you know anything, and just throwing yourself into that moment and being present. Mm. It's first. I mean, my I'd say I had two worries about it. One was about um, people being forced into it, and two, <laughs> the the risk of the audience going only because there's the, the thrill of having someone nude on stage, and mm-hmm. you know, and maybe that's just I I I tend to come in from the half the glass half empty process, yeah. whereas whereas Marianne was like half you know her glass is always half full, so to her <laughs> it's like it's empowering, it's it's refreshing. It's yeah. freedom. It's 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 a really, and I'm trying to convince her to write something about it. We're trying to I'm trying to convince her to sort of write about you know the attitudes towards nudity from a continental point of view. So um, hopefully, I'll convince her to do that eventually. Um, that would be amazing to watch. It is. She, I, we have another reviewer who um, who's been to quite a lot of shows where there's nudity, and I think the best line I've ever come out with was, um, you know, I've no issue with nudity on stage as long as it has a purpose. Yes. And he went to see a show and he goes, he goes, you know, they performed the whole thing nude. He goes, I never quite worked out why. 
<laughs> um, to, just to let audiences know, sadly, that um, there is no need to there do my no show. Nudity. Well, no, that's... not kids. <sighs> Disappointment now. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's it. Isn't it? I think there's that issue of I find nudity as well. It's it becomes the it becomes the sort of only thing you talk about sometimes on a show, and that's what so that's what raised me is that it just distract it detracts from the show. I think it's like the best analogy I can kind of think of. It's like getting a tattoo. It's like the first five minutes you're really conscious about it and you see it. And you're like you can't stop looking, and then after five minutes you're just so used to it you just kind of embrace it, and then you do listen to other things or whatnot. It is, but I say, but it's about we need to be more open, and it comes back. Let's bring it back to your show and the sort of discuss of sort of the um, masturbation and it. That yeah, we we should be more open, and yeah, I I think the problem is by the more prudish, the less we want to talk about it. The the you know, let's face it, the more issues we have, and the more more we need to go in therapy to discuss all these childhood traumas of. <laughs> and therapy on a different note. Um... I think everyone should get therapy at some point in life, not because they necessarily need it. It's just, it's so refreshing having the opportunity to talk to someone like a stranger effectively, or just someone that's designated for that, where you feel like you can fully be yourself and you don't, there's no judgment. It's also like learning curves for yourself as a human being. And it's as someone that has gone through three, four times in therapy, um, since actually this experience happening, it's really quite I feel like I always like going back there because it is a safe space and you kind of reevaluate who you are where you are as a person and go from there it's almost a detox element to it isn't it as you say it's sometimes and say yeah I mean I, I I've been there and um you almost there's almost this element of sort of just getting it out of your system isn't it rather mm-hmm. than bottling it up and my, my problem was that I was bottling it all up and it was yeah. fascinating it was fascinating to then put it out and i think it comes back to what you said earlier about um being too it too in you know with the domestic violence and that you know you yeah. don't see it because you're in that you're you're inside it whereas i found therapy by talking about what's the issues you able you were able almost look outside yourself by having it yeah. out so much and i think this is like what kate gets to explore which is really quite exciting to watch is how she, well not exciting that's probably one word but it's more it's intriguing because she literally comes in and she's like, I want to really talk about what's happened. But also at the same time, it's like she's not giving herself that breathing space to understand what's happened. So it's that discovery on stage for herself, but also for the audience and the therapist and everything. Um, and it just, it does give some clarity. I think that's an important thing about this whole show is, is it's clarity through a journey. Mm. And then obviously deflection of using humour in order to um, control the trauma mm. or just kind of lift it and deflect. And obviously humour is always, yeah, we always seem to fall back onto humour to avoid. I do avoid... to humour and it's, it's interesting because every run I've done, everyone laughs at different points, <laughs> which is, is, is quite refreshing in a weird way because I was like, oh, actually, that is funnier than I thought. Is it because you... You present it differently each night, you know, because every performance is different, isn't it? You know, doesn't matter how script it is, each yeah. performance comes different. Do you think sometimes maybe you emphasize things differently and people pick up on different sort of signals? I do think potentially, and I guess it depends on as a performer, I always read the audience in the room. You always read the room. And obviously, if you do have an audience which is more interactive and wants to laugh and wants to create those 
that sound rule of gasping or anything like that I, I do play into that because I'm like okay I can really go for it it's kind of like a feeding system um and then sometimes you do get audiences that don't react and they're more introverted and they don't feel like they need to and that's completely okay and it becomes a completely different show but you're right at the end of the day every performance is different because it's I find theatre is so organic there's no there's a continuity but not in the same way as film and tv it's just raw and it's fresh and it can be interchangeable which I love about it yeah, and it is, and I say, and I think the as you say, the audience are very vital, aren't they? Because let's say the audience reaction will change, and that, mm-hmm. and even you know, being in that audience, people if people re- around you react and laugh at different points, you pick up on you know, as an audience member, you might find something else funny as well. So yeah. it's really interesting. And you're also planning workshops for this um, at universities next year. What can you tell us about those? Um, so they've been in the development for quite a while. I. <sighs> because of the show getting such a good traction and I want it to really help people. But then at the same time, doing this um, journey with myself and my team who were incredible, it kind of dawned on me that sometimes creating theatre, especially if this difficult subject matter, you need to have it within a safe environment or have the right techniques in order to be able to push slightly further. So effectively, I've designed a workshop um, where with um, my director, Ella, uh, Faye Donnelly, who, where um, it's the element of devising and using, bringing in different mediums, whether it is like news, like current political news or things that really affect you as a person and using different techniques in order to create or storytell, but making sure that everything is safe and you have that safety net. So part of it is obviously having fun and learning that education process but then also like making your own theatre which is really imperative I think to the industry at the moment and then coming out at the end and having that sort of therapy session where you do talk about how it made you feel and are you okay do you need time out and then I was breaking it into this is something that Ella actually did with me a lot of the time in our rehearsals where she'd ask me random questions at the end of our session sometimes it was quite heavy saying if I was um, a type of sea creature what sea creature would I be and why just to bring you out of it and it's um, quite a Strasbourgian technique Lee Strasberg who believes that there's a room and before you go into that room you are you as a person as soon as you go into that room and close the door you're then in that character in that moment you take it all but then when you come out of the room you leave it in there and I think that's really important especially for creating theatre so that's kind of what I want to channel through other artists or um, even just like amateur performers that just want to explore. So that's the premise of it, effectively. So it's, it's more about, yeah, more about making theatres as opposed to sort of, it's, it's workshops on how to make sort of theatre. more. Yeah, and obviously talking about the show and mm. things and kind of using that platform just to, like, I think workshops are quite interchangeable as well. So if you feel like you want to share a story, but using theatre to kind of help channel that, which is what I've been doing. And I think it's been like a massive help for me to be able to like, for what I've gone through, to then be able to use theatre as my platform on a creativity level. It, it's, it's very therapeutic from a different point of view. Yeah. And it's, it's not something we've, sort of, we've touched too much upon, but obviously there is an element of semi-autobiographical here. Yes. So I assume there is sort of stuff in your past which... You you address in this play 
in, in very much so um obviously it's really changed as a whole it was a lot more semi-autobiographical and autobiographical but obviously creating Kate and creating that safety net and barrier is imperative and able to for me personally to do the show I am more happy to talk about it I was in a um, relationship in the towards the latter end of 2018 which I thought was going to be great or it was very it, it didn't go as I expected and I didn't really understand that until I was out of it but um sadly as um a female I endured um mental physical financial abuse coercive behavior and um a sense of distrust and it it actually like the whole experience of those six months and then coming out of it and still trying to have a relationship as a friendship level with that person which is actually more damaging in hindsight um led me to actually um, develop um ptsd reactive trauma anxiety which is quite a heavy thing to talk about but um that's why I've gone through therapy and I think writing the play it wasn't it wasn't meant to be a play to start with it was actually meant to be an exercise for my therapist who said I really want you to write down how you're feeling and communicate that and when I started to write I started to analyze it a little bit and reread what I wrote and I thought you know what this actually make really good theatre from an outside point of view and then it just developed and developed and developed to be the show that is now and it is so therapeutic to be able to get that. I mean, it is quite hard, I think, to be able to tell your story to a degree every night, but having that character is is really, it creates, just for me, it creates a, a sort of safety. And also it means that I can put that aside and I can go and move on with my life and take my time out to do me. But I implore anyone that if they feel like they've ever gone through something similar or whatnot, just to, kind of take themselves out the box, have a think and think, what do I really want and how do I want to go forward in life? And I always think life's too short. And I don't, I think it's quite important to say, but going through that, do I wish it never happened? Obviously, yes, but it's because of those life changes. They've made me the person that I am and it's actually made me a stronger human being and more aware and self-aware of who I am and where I want to go and surround myself with. And I think that's quite important in the long run that, you know, it is what it is, but it happened, but you move forward and you find and seize every opportunity possible to make your life better. Yeah, I think it's very much about, it's no good looking back and regretting, you no. know, and saying, I wish it changed because it, it, that's it, isn't it? It's happened. It's how you deal with it from there. So you thought it's about moving on rather than yeah. sort of looking back too much completely forgot what my next question is now oh that's, <laughs> Sorry, that's quite intense yeah I, I'm, I'm I, again I'm, I'm I'm all for this I say I, I've spent a long time in therapy and it is an incredible it's an it's a learning experience isn't it you learn so much about yourself when you do it that yeah. it's it's fascinating that's what I was going to ask how do you I mean with the intensity of this show how do you unwind afterwards then I mean I assume after you finish this sort of 65 minutes each night yeah you need a release what what do you do after what's the process after the show just to sort of get it out um it sounds really strange but I'll go and have a bath doesn't sound that strange at all no so for me I can sit in a bath that it's kind of like it's like a happy place um and I'll sit there I'd more hot water and I'll just like process what I've done and if I want to feel that emotion I'll let myself do that 
and then as soon as I come out that bath, cool, I've done it. That's the way that I think it just it means that you've got a place to ex- like kind of feel that and then you can go on. But then also on top of that, I've got an incredible support network of friends and family who throughout my whole journey and the journey of the theatre company and play and stuff have been incredible. Like I owe a lot to them in hindsight. And I've got friends that if, if there's like a situation, I can call them anytime and they'll listen. And I've also got friends who are therapists who say, if you ever need like a bit of time out and want to do a, just a session, and that's been really grateful um, in the long run as well. I think it's it's really important to surround yourselves with people that, you know, really care about you. It's, yeah, and people you can trust afterwards. So uh, Yeah, for sure. Brilliant. Okay, so let's let's wrap things up then. Um yes. so let's so let's just remind people about this show. It is Auto in Grain. It is playing King's Head Theatre, 15th and 19th of November. Go on, give us a 60 second sales pitch on this show then. Why should we come and see Auto and Grain next month then? By some it has been classed as the next flea bag, which is very exciting. It's a really powerful piece of theatre. It brings you up like a roller coaster brings you down. It's heartfelt, it's grounded, it is funny, it's light, it's refreshing, and it's completely unapologetic. And there is no sense of sugarcoating. It's Kate live on stage, be a fly on the wall and watch her unravel as she just talks about her life. But please come and support like some great theatre. Oh, absolutely. And King's Head is always, always an exciting sort of what they put on. Yeah, they're, they're really great theatre and the team there are just fantastic, really supportive and lovely as well. Fantastic. Helena, it's been an absolute pleasure. Say so we will make sure this all the all the booking links and information about the show will go up on our website. Right. Um, thank you for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you and all the good luck with this show in a few weeks' time. Thank you very much. It's been lovely talking to you. Thanks so much for listening. Please check out our website at everything-theatre.co.uk where you can find reviews and past interviews that we've done. And please subscribe so you don't miss future episodes where we'll be talking to more of the amazing people who make theatre the wonderful place it is. This has been Everything Theatre. We hope you enjoyed.